Hey guys, Toolman Tim here. Welcome back to the workshop where we create community, find freedom, promote preparedness, and share success. Today is March 31st, 2022, and this is episode 90, almost to 100, of the workshop podcast. Today is a pre-recorded episode. I am doing this on RV preparedness, and if you're wondering why, well, I'm going, uh, the plan is to go away with the family for the weekend. I'll be back in time for the Sunday live stream. But I decided to get things done. We had an interview earlier this week, so that freed up my Saturday. And yeah, so here we are, guys. I hope you enjoy it. Real quick, we'll knock a few announcements out of the way, like we always do. Uh, first off, I am going to be, my wife and I are going to be in the Tennessee area for the last two weeks of April. That is coming up super quick. So if anybody would like to meet up in person, just drop me a line on social media or email and let me know. I would love to do that. Two, we just got a bunch of new stickers in. Uh, same design, but they're die cut. I love them. They're just cool. So if you'd like some, no charge, just send me an email at therealtimcook at gmail.com and I will send some out to you in the mail. Anywhere, really. Uh, and then number three, you guys have heard me talk about this like crazy, but the Telegram group, I love it. We've got a great community there. You know, every week or two, we're having a live community chat as well. And it's just a great place to interact. So... If you'd like to join, the link will be in the description below, just like always, and hit me up. Come on by, introduce yourself. That's what I love, because if I have questions, I ask them. If other people have questions, they ask them, and we just share our information and our struggles. We had a great conversation the other night about becoming your own cheerleader, because sometimes it's easy to cheerlead other people, but it's really hard to cheerlead yourself. So, RV Repairedness. Where do we go from here? Well, I've had, I'll give you a few stories to get started. I'm not a full-time RVer. I'm barely even considered a part-time RVer. The last couple of years, we really haven't spent a lot of time in our RV because we have been busy and otherwise preoccupied. But one thing I've done a lot of has been maintenance on my RV. Uh, it's like, what did I say the other day? I talked to somebody, if you, the quickest way to turn money into shit is to buy a horse and I think uh, <laughs> uh, it's, a, it's a pretty easy way to lose money or uh, spend money when you buy yourself a camper, a trailer, an RV. So keeping up on the maintenance is crucial. And there's a learning curve with everything. So when I first bought my, um, let me see, uh, we bought the RV. It's a 30, 28 footer. That's what it is. And we drove all the way to Edmonton, two and a half hours on the wrong ball size. I had a two inch ball and it, uh, the receiver was a two and five sixteenths. Didn't realize it because the trailer weighed so much it set down. So all that was between me and disaster was a couple of breakaway chains, not a good thing. <laughs> so you live, you learn, it was just one of those things, right? We get uncomfortable or we, we think we know what we're doing and we just don't. So make sure you check when you start. Uh, <laughs> on multiple occasions when I was first getting started, I would drive to the dumping stations with one or more of those stupid little storage compartments just sitting there unlocked. And as soon as you'd go around a corner, it would flap and smack. Or I would leave like a window, one of those exterior window protectors open. And more than once, just, you know, just going around the block, somebody will wave me like, hey, Tim, you know, or my brakes will have uh, froze a little bit if they're sitting for the winter and you go to pull and all you're doing is dragging. 
or I've gone to pull away and not had my uh, breakaway brake switch connected and nothing will move, you know, that kind of stuff. And then um, one time we kind of had something rather scary. We used to let the kids play in the RV all the time. And I never thought anything of it. We we had it set up for my son to stay in sometimes when he was home and it was, it was nice to have him. And so I left the propane on so they could cook. Well, stupid me. One of the kids was playing with the stove, turned the stove on, and about a half hour later, they come in and they said, Dad, it stinks in there. And I went in and the whole place was full of propane. Scared the living shit right out of me. Completely my fault, and I'm just sharing that with you so you guys know some of the dangers that can go along with RV. So after that, I didn't just shut it off at the stove. I shut it off at the tanks, and if it was going to be sitting for any length of time, I would disconnect it simply because I wasn't going to go about that. We're going to talk about some safety stuff first, but I wouldn't be tool man, Tim, if we didn't talk about tools. And one of the best parts about having an RV is that you get to buy seconds or <clears throat> save some of your older tools and build yourself a toolkit for your camper. So that's great because you have to have some tools. You don't have to have a fully fledged out, you know, self-contained woodworking garage in your camper, but you got to have some stuff. A tire plug kit is essential. Those tires on the trailers, they're good, but they're not great. You know, they're, they're a decent tire, but they do tend to go flat. And sometimes you don't notice it right away because you don't check on them as often. So know how to plug them. A hammer. I don't know how many times I've used a hammer. A lot of times what I'll do is I'll, I'll have a hatchet for splitting camp wood. And then I will tap it. You know, I'll use the back side of the hatchet to tap it into place. And that works great too. But I like having a hammer. I like having a couple sets of pliers. You know, a and I don't have like three of each size or, you know, just, just one, but a set of needle nose pliers and a set of like um, square box nose pliers or whatever. Those are great because sometimes you need to frig with twisting wires or taking things apart. And one thing that is absolutely essential is a socket set. I don't know how many times I've had to, you know, loosen or tighten nuts, something like that. And a socket set was just so nice. So what I ended up doing was I had um, my wife, you know, upgraded me quite a few years ago for a good set. I never got rid of my backup set that I had. I kept that. I threw it down in the tool storage container and it's been great. Something I didn't have on this list, but is a fire poker. My dad made me a really nice long fire poker out of rebar years ago and I kept it. And it's really good to have when you're sitting around a campfire and it's something, it might be long, but it's skinny. So you can throw it in a lot of places and just have it. Adjustable wrench. And that goes without saying, but the adjustable wrenches are great for hooking up and disconnecting the propane and a multi-bit screwdriver. Don't go and put a whole pack of screwdrivers in there, but get yourself uh, just something. I like those 10 in one, eight in one, whatever it happens to be, but just get one of those and put it away and have it. And then a drill driver. I don't know how many times to tell you, I, you just, you know, I love an impact driver. I love a drill. So just get one that does both. And you know, just get a cheap one. But again, it's nice to have, you, actually, you could just buy the bare tools and take a battery with you if you have all the tools at home. So that's something to have. And then a pipe wrench. You might think, well, what in the hell do I need a pipe wrench? Or some people call them a monkey wrench. But those are great, especially, oh, I want to tell you, if you've ever tried to tighten the ball on a hitch and you didn't have the proper tools, you can really hurt yourself and you can't get the job done. So it's great to have one of those. I used to say to have two, but a lot of the new hitches hold the nut in place so that you can turn the ball with it. So 
again, just nice to have. A pressure gauge, you got to have a pressure gauge to check your tires. And then an inflator. I love my DeWalt inflation station. I just grab it and take it with me. But if you want to go, you know, if you're a full-timer and you want to have something more permanent, get yourself one of those compact DC ones, throw it down underneath, and you're good. So what good are tools if you don't have some parts, right? This is the other thing, because as soon as I bought our camper, the first thing I did was try to stock it up with everything I thought we could need. Anything that wears or tears or breaks down, that kind of stuff. But have your electrical adapters. You know, if you're like our electrical plug is, I think it's 30 amp. So I have a couple of those 30 to 15 amp adapters because some of the campsites we've stayed at just have 15 amp electrical. So make sure you have some of those. Have some electrical bulbs, some light bulbs for all of your fixtures on the interior and exterior. I'm going to talk about those a little bit more, but they burn out. You can buy them dirt cheap on Amazon. Love them, and they work great. Fuses, there's fuses all over the place in some campers, and then some have almost none. Just make sure you have a few of each, because you'll never need them until you need them, and you don't have them. Uh, water adapters. So I have, a lot of places have really high pressure, and it's almost too much for inside the camper. So I bought one of these little brass adapters that decreases the water pressure coming in. So those are great. Uh, make sure you have an extra blow plug for your hot water heater. So if you look at your hot water heater, most of them have like a plastic, some are aluminum, most of them are plastic plugs that screw into the bottom. They act as like a backup in case the pressure relief valve fails. But what I find about those is over time, especially if you live in the colder climates where you have to winterize every year, taking them out and putting them in, they start to leak and you got to put a little tape or gunk on them. And eventually they wear out. So have an extra one of those. Have an extra hot water pressure relief valve. Have some elastomeric roof coating. <laughs> I don't know why I always laugh at that name, but it's funny. Have some of that to put up on your roof. That's the type of stuff that you, I mean, you could use roof and tire, but you might as well have the stuff you need. That's like this white rubberized stuff that you put up in a seal if you have a leak on your roof, that, that kind of white coating that's all across it. Have some extra diaper pins and chain hooks. If you don't know what diaper pins are, they look like those old-fashioned cloth diaper pins that you put through the latch on the receiver of your hitch because wouldn't be the first, you won't be the first person, you won't be the last that go to put it in there and drive off and it rattles out because you forgot to clip it. And then DOT pulls you over and you're SOL, especially if you don't have an extra one on you. Uh, have some antifreeze. You know, if you're going to be doing winterizing i try to buy it ahead of time buy it at the end of the year so that uh, when it's not needed usually you can get it on clearance which is great have some of that toilet cleaner that, that stuff's good in a pinch anyway to make um homemade toilets you know or uh shtf toilet situations where you need some of that chemical that stuff works great for five gallon buckets luggable loose that kind of stuff but just have one on hand or some on hand now we're going to work through one more uh, quick accessories list. These are some fun things that we bought to make life a little bit easier. Everything on this is maintenance stuff. So I didn't, you know, I didn't go with like uh, a TV mounted inside or a bunch of stuff like that. This is just stuff that makes, you know, parking, setting up that kind of stuff a little easier. The first thing I bought, and they're really cool, and I will try to put a list together of some of this stuff down the road, but they look like Lego pads. So they're yellow. I don't know, they're probably six inch by six inch and they fit together and you can make pyramids. So if you happen to pull in and your campground is too much of a slope and it's going to be a real pain to try to level that out with jacks, then you can put those down and back your tires up onto them and it's real gradual. It beats trying to put wet and muddy wood down. 
and then, you know, rolling up and sliding off. And anyway, they're great to have. And then as far as winterizing goes, I bought this Camco winterizing pump. It wasn't that expensive. Just a little tiny pump that fits into my water tank. And it's a bypass so that I can basically put it in there. And it uses the DC pump to suck antifreeze out of the jug and then pumps it down the line to winterize the entire camper made my life so easy. I've never had a problem winterizing ever since I did that. Uh, I told you about the water pressure reducer, those little brass screw-on valves that go on the outside of the municipal water hookup. Those are great. Uh, something else we did when we bought our camper, it came with um, removable jacks. So they were a real pain in the ass. You had to pull them out, stow them away every time you wanted to. So we upgraded and bought permanent mounted jacks that go up underneath and I can just loosen them or, or, you know, drop them or bring them up simply by using my impact driver and a socket adapter. Made my life, again, a lot easier. Something I've had my eye on but I haven't done yet is a wireless tire pressure sensor. Because, again, it's hard to keep an eye on those tires while you're driving. And a backup camera that you can put on the back of the trailer. Because if you've heard Brian Alexovich talk about it, you know, you know you're married to the right person when you can back up a camper with your wife or your significant other on a campsite and not lose your collective shit. So anything you can do to make that better is a good thing. And one other thing I've been looking at has been the, they make, I love them. I, and it, it's probably the old man in me, but you can buy these tarps. They're custom made, or at least they're custom made for the length of your camper. And they go over the entire thing and they protect it from the sun and the snow, but it also has a zipper so that you can open it up for your door. So I've been looking at one of those and we may end up buying one eventually. So from here, now, when it comes to RV repairedness, and again, what I like about RVs is the fact that they can act as an extra room or so say you had family that needed to bug out from somewhere and they needed to come and stay with you. Well, it can act as temporary housing for them or it can act as temporary housing if you need to get out of Dodge as well. So they're great. I, I And plus, again, I try not to buy anything preparedness related that doesn't have a day-to-day -day use. I'm sure there's a few exceptions to that rule, but I, if, if something is going to make my life better in preparedness, I want it to make my life better in the day-to-day -day world as well. And a camper does that. It gives us time to get away and have some relaxing time with the family, and I like that. So let's talk about, let's get winterizing out of the way first, because that is big up here. And if you guys live in the States, I'm sorry, but it's just something I got to chat about. But when I bought my camper, the reason I got such a killer deal on it was because the person didn't winterize it properly the year before. And all they did was they didn't turn off the bypass going into the water heater. The water heater froze, the whole tank split, and it rotted out the floor because they just left it for a few years. So... When you're doing it, make sure first off you turn off the water going to the water heater. So you put, turn on the bypass and then make sure you bleed that hot water tank. Be careful because <laughs> there's a friggin' lot of pressure in there and it can still be hot if you're, if it's, you know, been recently, right? But I like to start by opening up the pressure relief valve. To me, it's safer because that's a permanent mounted thing. Whereas those blow plugs, if you will try to do that, I've done that before, where you back it off and then it gets to one thread and then it kicks it out and that's what strips the thread. So be careful. Um, then once you've done that, hook up that little pump and start pumping the antifreeze into the tank. And they're, they're great. 
and it'll start pushing that antifreeze down and getting, you know, pushing the water out. And what I do is I start with one fixture at a time and I go to the fixture that's the farthest away from the pump. So I know everything's been pumped through first. So I start in the bathroom and I do the shower and then the taps. Don't forget hot and cold. Don't forget the toilet. And then once you've done all those and what you do is you open it up and you'll get kind of a mixture of water and antifreeze and some air. And eventually once it starts running perfectly pink, then you can turn it off and that's that fixture's done. Don't forget to pour some in the trap, in the sink, in the kitchen sink, that kind of stuff. Also, don't forget the outside municipal tap. So what you do there, you go out to that hookup, pull that, there's a washer or um, screen in there, pull that out and inside's a spring, push that spring in and it's gonna, the water's gonna come out at you. So again, push that in until the pink runs free and you are good. Or you can always blow out the lines with a compressor. Not something I like doing. I'm more comfortable using antifreeze. So when it comes to, here's the next thing, right? Uh, routine maintenance. I love RVs. And again, if you don't stay on top of the maintenance, it's going to kick you in the butt. And there's maintenance you can do yearly, maintenance you can do monthly, and then stuff you can do every time you get ready to leave the house. And then every time you get home from the campground, just check these things out and it's going to save your life, uh, save, make your life just a little bit better, right? So the first one is uh, once you're hooked up, walk around and check all your lights because I always say never break two laws at once. So if you happen to be breaking and, you know, unintentionally a law and you get pulled over because you have a burnout taillight, you're going to get a ticket. But if you get pulled over for something else, there might be a chance that you'll just get a warning. So never bring yourself any extra attention that is warranted for sure. So from there, uh, grease your jacks, any other moving part on the suspensions, get down there, invest in a grease gun or at least some kind of spray lithium grease that'll stick around. Uh, here's something nobody ever thinks about, and I haven't even done it yet, and I'm due to get it done. You know, every three to five years, have your bearings inspected and repacked. So you've got your axles down there that run your tires inside those tires. First off, you're going to have to have the tires pulled off once in a while, have your brakes inspected, and then there's bearings in there and they need to just be pulled out and you can buy a bearing pack on Rock Auto for dirt cheap. And if you want to, you can do the work yourself. But basically you pull those bearings out, pack them with hard grease and then put new bearings in and that's it. Uh, get up on a ladder, inspect any, any openings. You get your roof, your vent, your skylight, your AC unit, whatever it is. Anywhere water can get in. Start to look for stuff to peel up. And if it gets bad enough, what we did last year, we paid to have somebody put an air conditioner in our, our RV. And I had them reseal all the flanges on the roof while we did it. Save some service call, extra cash that way, but it just got it done. Uh, inspect your trailer hitch and your receiver. Make sure nothing's loose. Again, have the mindset you're not a trucker, but you're like a trucker because you're going to be pulling um, a 20, 30, maybe a 40 foot trailer. So you're basically a, you know, long haul, big rig truck driver without the special license. So treat it like it's that. Get under the trailer, look up in the, you know, there's usually a covering, but try to find anywhere where water might've been coming through because try to catch that shit beforehand. Uh, if you find anything under there on the sides, on the frame that has some rust, just get out your grinder, your sander, whatever it is, and give it a good brush off and then spray it with, you know, I like the all-in-one black, like Rust-Oleum paints, but you can prime it first and spray it afterwards. Another thing that I never think to check until we're on site is the gauges. 
So most RVs, if you go inside, you push a button and it'll give you a light up your three gauges, you know, your gray water, your black water, and your um, usable pot potable water. So check those out, make sure they work because we got on site one time and thought we had lots of room in our tank and all of a sudden the toilet started backing up because the gauge had stopped working. So check that kind of stuff. You know, before you put it away for the winter, haul the batteries out, haul the propane tanks out, put the propane tank somewhere safe, bring the batteries inside, put a trickle charger on them. Then when you hook everything back up, get in there, test your furnace, your fridge, your AC, your water heater. Check all your water lines for leaks because no matter, you know, what do they say? Uh, all the plans of mice and men. Well, even if you do your best to winterize an RV, sometimes shit freezes and breaks. Um, and then, you know what? We were going to sell our RV last year and we were doing a final sale inspection and we didn't realize it. We walked around and we were pushing on the walls and I found a spongy spot where I could literally ha, put my hand straight through the wall and it was not noticeable. All we thought was that the sun had got to the wallpaper a little bit not a good thing. So walk around, check for any suspect areas, that kind of stuff. And you guys know, I love my tips. So I just, when I got to this, I thought, you know what, I'm going to put together, and I knew this episode was going to be a little bit shorter. That's why I did it as a pre-recorded because I don't have as much experience with RV as I do with homes or garages or automotive, that kind of stuff. So I'm sure maybe we'll get Brian on the show sometime after he's lived in his camper for a year or something, or we'll get somebody on as an expert to chat about, you know, full-time RV and, and uh, repairedness tips and that kind of stuff. But so for today, I put together, let's see, I got 25 tips to finish up with for you on the RV repairedness. And I thought these would be kind of fun. Every one of them is just something I've learned in passing from life experience. Sometimes there's stories behind it. Sometimes there isn't. But if you have CAA or AAA, you guys call it AAA in the States, you know, roadside assistance, most plans don't cover RVs, at least off the shelf plans, you know, those basic $19 a month or whatever. So look into that and then call your roadside assistance company and see how much does it cost to, you know, upgrade. And we, we upgraded like to the gold plan and it covers all of our vehicles and the RV for anybody driving. So check those plans because sometimes they only cover for a specific driver. Sometimes you can even, you know, the really good plans you can call for, say, your kids who are stranded in their vehicle even. So take a minute. Again, some people say, well, that's not being a prepper, buying insurance. Well, what the hell else is a prepper but somebody who's prepared? And how can you, how else can you be prepared for the unexpected other than buying insurance? <laughs> Roadside assistance is usually cheap. And I mean, obviously they offer it because they make money off it, but to me, it's cheap enough that it gives you peace of mind. Now, number two, keep an eye on your spare tire. That damn spare tire is just like a, a soldier at the gates at a castle in the in the UK. You know, those ones in the red, whatever, the red outfits, and they just stand there all the time, never moving. That's what your spare tire does on most RVs. It literally just sits there. And especially if you don't have a cover on it, it's just there getting beat and pound on with sun and cold and getting cracked. And most times if you need it, it might be seized on there. So, you know, once a year, take it off, inspect it, take the cover off, look it over, get a new cover if it needs it, check the pressure on it, all of that. I mean, some people even rotate their spare in and out with the regular. So all five of them wear at the same time or all seven of them, but just make sure it's there. And uh, also, 
tip number three, make sure you have the shit to change a tire. If you do, most RVs don't have, I mean, they have jacks built in, but they don't tend to have, you know, a, a wrench for breaking off those bolts. So beforehand, whatever you're going to use, make sure you have that stuff on hand so you can change a spare tire because, hey, if you've done your inspections, your spare tire and realized, wait a minute, it's a great tire, but I can't change it. What good is that, right? Now, something I learned in the oil patch, just every morning, well, anytime you're getting ready to take off, get everything hooked up and then either turn on your four-way flashers and walk around or have, you know, your kids or your wife or somebody stand at the back and check your, and don't forget, you want to check your brake lights, your right and left turn signals, and then your four-way flashers and your running lights. Check them all because again, you don't want to attract undue attention to yourself. And you don't want to end up having a cop spend money for you based on the fact that you didn't check your, your light. So just make sure. Also, something else, one of my, I don't know if I'm going to do it this summer, but get yourself some relatively inexpensive solar panels, at least a couple hundred watts, and get them up on the roof and permanently install them. They, they do two things. You know, they can act as a trickle charger to make sure that, you know, your, your DC system is there, but it can also be used as a battery bank charger as well. And I'm trying to come up with a way to make my battery bank modular because right now I have four, what is it, group 27 batteries in one homemade insulated box and they're great, but I think they're over 300 pounds. So that's a lot. Now, if you did two of them or if you did two modular systems, what I'm thinking is you could have the RV, the panels up there but you could just share one battery bank. So right now I have my solar system in my garage, but if I want to travel, it would be nice to be able to grab those batteries and put them in place so that I don't have to spend what is the biggest amount of money on a battery bank in two places, especially for an RV. I don't use that often, but if you want to boondock and get, you know, off the grid with your RV, it would be great to have, you know, two or four or six deep cycle batteries that you could use. So if you design your home solar system with modular in mind, all you have to do is, you know, buy a charge controller and the panels, permanently mount them, and then just put quick connects on them. So that's an idea I've been beating around in my head for sure. Now, if you're wondering about RV parts, and first off, stay away from dealers if you can help it, because anytime you put the word RV in a building, in a part, in a service, you're going to pay twice as much as you are anywhere else. So Amazon is absolutely great. Most campers use a fairly universal type of parts. Lots of things like your, your uh, municipal water hookup or your water tank fill nozzle or your exterior vent for your stove. A lot of the vents and things on top, doors, locks, latches, window seals. I've bought it all on Amazon. Do a little digging, do a little research, but there's a ton of stuff on there. And I've bought them for like 20, 20 cents on the dollar compared to what you can get them at the RV dealer. And at the RV dealer, a lot of times they want to sell it to you and charge you to install it. So if you want to get a DIY ethic with RVs, look at Amazon. eBay too, but Amazon has been really good for me for that. Uh, you guys know I love, well, safety in general, but fire suppression is important even in campers. Actually, maybe even more important. And I love those cans of First Alert Fire Spray. You can buy three or four or five of them, whatever, at Costco or Amazon, and just throw one under the sink, one by the stove, 
uh, one by the back door so you can grab it if you're going out to the campfire because you just never know and those are great to have now something i'd never thought of everybody tends to have smoke detectors in their rv and those are great but a co detector is just as important especially if you're heating you know when something gets backed up and stuff starts coming in but a uh, LVL detector or a, a explosive gas detector, something that picks up on propane because I had an awful scare. I went and bought one afterwards. It took me a while to find one. I think I had to buy it on eBay because it was either that or go to like uh, oil patch places and they want, again, oil patch prices for them. So I bought one and installed it in the camper just to give me peace of mind in case something ever, you know, leaks. And then onto the propane end of things, man, just always turn off that gas when you're not using it. And especially if you're driving, because if you get pulled over, again, back to the two laws thing. If you get pulled over for a broken taillight and the guy comes up and looks and he's like, oh, you left your propane on. Well, that can make your day miserable. He can give you a huge fine. The works. Get a brake controller installed on your truck. So if you have a truck and, you know, almost all RVs have a breakaway and separate brakes. Most systems, you know, most people don't even worry about this. But you push your brake in your truck and the RV brakes as well at the same amount of frequency and power. But if you get a brake controller, looks like a little box and a little slider switch on it, you can adjust the strength of those brakes, but you can also brake your RV independently of your truck. Now you might say, well, what the hell do I need that for? Well, let me tell you, if you're going along, especially, you know, downhill, but if you're going anywhere, and all of a sudden your trailer starts wobbling, the easiest way to straighten that out is to just reach down and tap those trailer brakes and test that trailer brake. That's also a really easy way to test your trailer brakes every time you're getting ready to go. I'll just start driving along and I'll just start coasting on a flat, just really slow, and I'll just tap that trailer brake. And if the trailer, if you feel a hitch, you know, hey, my brakes are working and I'm not going to get a fine today. <laughs> uh, another thing, it's easier to give your trailer a quick rinse off after every outing or excursion than it is to wait till the end of the year and try to do it. Because, uh, you know, those, especially the older style campers, they, they don't mind being pressure washed, but they don't love it. So, the you know, the easier you can be on it, the better off you're going to be when you're cleaning it. And again, preventative maintenance is better than reactive maintenance. So give it a quick rinse. You know, I like to just go up, drive through the wash bay at the local gas station, get out the magic wand and give it a quick spray. Or if my pressure washer's out, I use that. But yeah, uh, check your lug nuts on every tire each time before your trip, after your trip, just to give you peace of mind. It can happen. We had a tire years ago that for whatever reason, the lug nuts started backing off and they rounded out the rim, completely ruined the rim. The tire was not a good day. So just check your, you know, check them before you're getting ready to go because the last thing you want is to lose a tire and to look out and see that tire running by you on the side of the road and you're like, well, shit, now I'm in trouble. Uh, when you're putting it away for the season, use some sort of rodent protector because RVs are like a friggin' mouse and rat magnet. There is a product, and I think it's on Amazon, I looked, it's called Cabin Fresh. And it's these little bags, I almost think they have some sort of pine residue in them, but they're a really cool bag and you just throw them in like, uh, transport truck, cab, or whatever, and it supposedly makes it fresh, but it's also a huge rodent deterrent. So get some of those, put them in there. Some people say like Irish Spring soap will keep them away as well, because it seems to me that no matter how hard you try to lock up 
and make most proof mice and rats and rodents can always find their way in and boy if you get one in there that you know shits and pisses all over the place all winter it can be a mess i had to clean up we had dog food at the ufa the farm store i worked at that the mice had gotten into for ages and it just smelt like a constant hamster cage in there you don't want that it's not safe it's not good and if you got to clean that shit up wear gloves and a mask and eye protection because uh, the viruses that you can get hantavirus is the big one but it's no joke it can kill you um crack your vents so okay every time if you're gonna park your rv for quite a while crack something either a little tiny window or a couple of vents because the worst thing you can do is leave an rv just sit and let the sun bake on it for months on end because it ends up just baking everything inside adhesive lets go wallpaper lets go whatever it is just yeah so make sure you have a little bit of circulation in there for while it's parked long term uh, run your generator once a month i talk about this so if you have a permanent generator again the last thing you want to do is let that sit for a year go out boondocking you're like oh don't worry i'll start up the ac or the ac but i need the generator to go and it won't start so make sure you run it at least I I like to say every month, but every two months is good too. Just make sure your generator's up and running so they're ready to go when you need them. Make sure you got your insurance and registration papers in the vehicle you're towing with, or better yet, put them in a Ziploc baggie and put them in a drawer in the camper so that they're always in there no matter what vehicle you're pulling them with. Uh, also, this is one I found, buy aftermarket LED bulbs. You know what? If you have a new camper, this isn't going to matter, but if it's an old camper, your bulbs, they're probably okay, but they use a fair bit more juice out of your battery. So you can upgrade with the same base and change them all out to LEDs, and they just sip the juice at that point. So much better. And again, Amazon, I bought mine on eBay. I'd buy bulk packs of like 20 for, I don't know, it, they were less than a dollar a bulb for sure. They were cheap. Um, now, here's another one, and this is like an after action plan. So while you're going camping, keep a notepad out. Every time you realize geez, I should have brought this. Or why did I bring this? I should have brought this. Write that down. That's important because when you get back, keep that list. And when you get ready to go camping the next time, add those things and do that every single time you go camping. And eventually you're going to have a system of tools and parts and accessories and food and everything else that's going to be exactly catered to your family and your lifestyle. And that is important. It's great to have that, but it doesn't happen overnight. It happens after a few times. So from there, something else I like to do is buy extra items and leave them in the camper. So if I go and I buy, say, uh, the long-handled cheap candle lighters, I might buy three or four. I'll take two of them and throw them in the camper. Or say, a, you know, a three, a three outlet adapter. I'll buy a couple of those. I'll put one in the camper. Those are always important, but when uh, something else, toilet brushes, you don't think about that. Or a well, plunger, not so much, but toilet brushes are important. So when you buy one of those, buy an extra one, throw it in the camper. Because then what you have is you've got stuff in your camper, but say you break your toilet brush and it's a Sunday morning at whatever, I don't know, and you need a toilet brush. Well, you can go out to your camper and you can get your toilet brush. That kind of stuff is always important. Um, now, here's another one that we learned the hard way. But if, it, if, you're, if this is your very first time taking an RV out somewhere and you want to 
you know, you want to do it, but you're kind of nervous, go somewhere nearby. So find a campground, even in your own town, but, you know, 10, 15 minutes away, find a campground that you can go to that's nearby that you can cut your teeth on because invariably you're going to forget something, you're going to screw something up, whatever it happens to be. So take some time, go to a nearby campground that you're comfortable with, you're not going too far, you can get comfortable towing the camper, get comfortable backing it up, and just take your time, you know? And uh, here's another thing. For any of your jacks, especially your front trailer jack, make sure you get yourself some chunks of wood. I've got some stuff. They're about three inches thick. I would say they're probably a, a three by eight. And they're, I've got probably one foot chunks and I have five or six of them. And then I have a big a six by six chunk as well. And I use those to put underneath all the jacks so that if the ground's a little muddy, it keeps them protected. But more importantly, it keeps it from sinking into the ground and the camper shifting because that makes for a bad day and you can break things. But more importantly, you can just end up getting stuck. So if you keep that shit up and out of the mud, you're better off. And again, those Lego blocks I was talking about, those are good. You can even put those down to run your tires on just to keep them from, it spreads the surface area out a bit and keeps them from sinking into the mud just too much. Install quick connects on all your sewer fittings. When we first bought our camper, it was a miserable fit on fitting with a hose clamp. It was miserable. And I'm sure all the new ones come with those bayonet, you know, quarter turn fittings. But if you don't have them, put those on your on both sides of your sewer fitting so that it makes your life easy and it gives you peace of mind while you're literally, you know, <laughs> funneling excrement down a hose into a hole in the ground. And don't forget to check your AC and your furnace filters. Those are, well, I wouldn't say deadly important, but it's just something that we end up forgetting about. We look at them, we're like, oh yeah, I only use that furnace every so often, but sometimes you turn on the air to circulate so, you know, grab a couple extra filters if you have room and keep them somewhere or clean them out, whatever it happens to be. But those are just kind of the, the routine maintenance. I would love to get somebody on that's lived full time in an RV and can share with us a little more about their maintenance. But to me, I just wanted to touch the high points because, I, yeah, I would love to spend six months of the year in an RV eventually. But so much of what we talk about with preparedness is about bugging in. But the RV is about bugging out. But the same principles apply. So if you keep your RV well-stocked, well-maintained, and well-looked after, and have a plan in place for bringing stuff, know what you need to bring from the house into the RV, figure out how long it's going to take you, figure out what the essentials are, figure out what the extra nice-haves would be if it's not too bad of a situation, practice hooking up and unhooking your trailer, basically have a an evacuation plan in mind, then you don't have to worry about renting a hotel room to wherever you're going. So if you get there and you've got your camper, you now have a place to stay. You've got an air conditioned area. You've hopefully got food. You've got creature comforts, whatever it happens to be that will get you <laughs> off and going. And it'll put you way ahead of the game with so many other people. So I hope that helps, guys. I, I love talking RVs. We'll do another episode down the road for sure. I hope you enjoyed this slightly shorter version of a pre-recorded episode of the Workshop Podcast. I enjoyed recording it for you. I'm going to be away with my family this weekend. We're going to have a great time. And again, I have people all the time who come and they apologize to me and they're like, Tim, I'm so sorry I missed your live stream. Listen, I tell people this. 
if you're busy doing life, don't ever apologize for missing some live stream. It's always going to be out there on a recording. If you're busy out there, you know, getting shit done, you know, kicking ass and taking names and starting a side hustle and you don't have time to listen to me anymore, then I've succeeded. That's what I want. I want you out there doing shit, getting shit done. I want you out there starting your own damn podcast so you don't have time to listen to me. That's what I want. I want to inspire the hell out of you. I want you to get out there and get it done. So thank you guys. So where can you find me the rest of this week? Well, go back and check out the, the podcast. We had an awesome episode two days ago, Tuesday, with Phil and his wife Gillian from the Matter of Facts podcast. They talked about their experience with Hurricane Ida, and it was incredible. Brings you the chills. I, I love them sharing. I appreciated them sharing their story. It was great. Then yesterday, I was on the after party with... Uh, who all did we... We had a bunch of us in. There was Brian and Brian. We had a few, Anyway, a few other people in and out. It was just a really good time. And we just... You know what? I like the after party because it's just a bunch of friends sitting around chatting and talking about whatever the hell they want to talk about. And then this Sunday we got a new live stream, new episode coming up. I've got uh, a buddy of mine, Ryan Buford from the Next Generation Podcast on the Prepper Broadcast Network. He's going to be my guest, 7 p.m. Mountain Time, and it's going to be a cool episode. I'm excited. So a while back, I put out that I was looking for recommendations on post-apocalyptic fiction, and Carrie Brown sent me a really good series recommendation called uh, World Made by Hand. It was a four-book series. I knocked it out and two or three weeks listening to it while I was working. And in there, you know, it was basically a world, a post-oil world that had collapsed and everybody had gone back to kind of Amish way of life. And a big portion of what they did was salvage. So any carpentry work, anything like that, they had to salvage it. And so Ryan and I, he used to work in demolition and I've always loved breaking things and tearing things down. We're going to have a stream of consciousness chat. Now we're going to sit down and chat about post-apocalyptic salvage and it's going to be a little bit tongue-in-cheek but it's a type of thing that it, it reminds me of the farmer's mindset you know you made do and you got by and you made something work because that's all you had on hand so tune in we're going to have a great conversation last time he was on it was a huge hit from the community and guys i tell you this but you could spend your time anywhere but i really do appreciate you coming by and hanging out with me in the workshop so thank you and as always, stay happy, stay healthy, and have a great week.